So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, uh, you can click to or turn to. I'm going to give you two groups of or two groups of scriptures, two two scriptures to look at. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. That's where we find the fruit of the Spirit. And then Luke chapter 8. We're going to spend most of our time in Luke chapter 8. We're going to use Luke chapter 8 as a commentary on this word kindness. And so I'm going to talk to you about this word kindness. I'm going to talk to you about the importance of this word. And so several weeks ago, I started a series called Fruit of the Spirit. And we've been walking through the fruit of the Spirit. We've been unpacking that. Now, I've told you, right, and you know this, I've told you my personal opinion uh, you don't have to agree with that. That is, that is okay because theologians are all over the map on this. It's just my personal opinion that there's only one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, singular. And then it displays itself out in eight different characteristics. In other words, it helps us to understand. And so none of these come, uh, we, we don't get any of these naturally. In other words, this is evidence of the Spirit working in your life. This is evidence that you're, you're a Christian. So, so let's read this together. Not aloud, but I'll read it aloud. You can read it silently. Galatians chapter 5, 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. In other words, there's not a law against kindness, Right? I mean, nobody's going to throw the flag. Nobody's going to throw a penalty flag and say, you know what? The problem with you, you're just too kind, right? We don't, need, we don't want any more kindness in this house. We don't want any more kindness in this relationship. And so, in other words, there is no law against this issue of kindness. And so Paul unpacks this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, we know it as like the love chapter, right? And a lot of times, pastors, including myself, will read, this, will read these things at a wedding, even though it has nothing to do with a wedding. Uh, but we'll still read it at a wedding because it kind of helps us understand what love is. And Paul begins connecting these things together. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. He says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, and it is not arrogant. In other words, I want to talk to you this morning about this issue of kindness because here's what I believe. I believe the local church, I believe the body of Christ, if we're going to reach this world, then we're going to have to understand kindness. And we're going to have to learn what it means to be kind to a lost and a dying world. And so you can ask the question, you say, so what, what is kindness? I'll tell you what kindness is. What the Bible says, kindness is love in action. In other words, kindness is this, is this issue to where you put, your, you, you put flesh to your, to your love. You, you, put, you, you, you put flesh to, to, to like your empathy or to your, your compassion. I mean, it, it's a lot easier, right? It's a lot easier to talk about somebody else's problems and why they're going through something than it is to jump in and help them. It's a lot easier. That's why a lot of times, you know what? We like reality TV shows because we love to watch somebody's life melt down, not our own, right? And so, and so a lot of times it's easier for us to talk about somebody else, talk about somebody else's problems, than it is to get involved and try to help them. Kindness is like love in action. Kindness is when we get involved in those situations. I really love the way that, that, that the Phillips translation uh, renders this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4. He said, Look, love looks for a way to be constructive to improve somebody else's life. We, we can have all kinds of friends, right? And there's some friends that we can enjoy hanging out with, whether it's a hobby, whether it's something we do, we work with, whatever. And, and we love hanging out with them. But when the event is over, it's, it's, it's kind of done, right? But there's another type of friend. There's that deeper kind of friend. 
that when you're with that individual, you'd walk away and say, you know what, I'm a better person because of that friend. I'm a better person because of how they encouraged me. I'm a better person because of how they spoke into my life. I'm a better, and so you can walk through and you can say, you know what, this group of friends actually adds value to my life. And so that's what Paul's talking about. Paul is talking about that, that, that this issue of love is, is kindness is just an attribute of that. And that's why in, in, in Ephesians 4.32, Paul simply says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, he is commanding us in marriage and in relationships, even when we're upset, even when we're frustrated, to learn what it means to be kind. To learn this issue of kindness, it's just like this love in action. Now listen, Jesus was like the king of kindness. And so Luke chapter 8, the reason that I chose Luke chapter 8, I've told you that I believe that the greatest commentary on Scripture is Scriptures itself. So in this series, I've been taking a word, and then I've been trying to find in Scripture where this word was like fleshed out for us. Then we just simply walk through a story verse by verse and understand what it means. Luke chapter 8 is that encounter. Jesus has two encounters with two different people. One was, was a woman and one was a man. They're totally different. They came from different backgrounds. You know, of course, they were different. One was a woman, one was a man. Um, the woman was poor. Um, she didn't have any power, any influence. Uh, she, she would like be, in, in our days, she'd be considered like a homeless person, a, a bag lady, however you want to phrase that. The man, totally different. The man was wealthy. The man had, had influence. So the fact is, the woman. The woman was a, was a nobody. The woman was just another face in the crowd that most people just glossed over, didn't really see this man. This man was a ruler of a synagogue. In other words, this man was a religious guy, but he also had power. He also had wealth. He also had influence. And this woman had nothing. It's amazing how Jesus deals with both of these two individuals. And, and so I believe that Jesus gave, this is the way I understand this, Jesus gave them three different gifts. It's, it's the gift of kindness but it's done with three different gifts. It's done with three different things. And so the first thing for you this morning is this. Jesus gave them the gift of attention. Jesus gave them the gift of attention. In other words, Jesus deals a lot with this issue in the scriptures of, of, of love and, 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 and kindness. And he helps us to understand how important it is. But listen, Jesus just didn't give lectures about kindness. And he just didn't give lectures about love. Jesus helped us to understand how that plays out. And the first thing that Jesus did, he gave the gift of attention. I mean, you know, it's kind of like wherever you are, be all there, right? Uh, to, where, to where wherever you are, be there. Be in that conversation. Be in that situation. So many times in our day, we are so distracted with, with social media, whether it's Facebook, text, Twitter, emails, phone calls, whatever. And, and someone can be con having a conversation with us, and they never get our eyes, they never, in fact is, neurologists, you know what neurologists and scientists tell us? Our brains were wired in such a way to where conversation, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, there's something about that exchange of information when you're looking in someone's eyes and back and back and forth. In other words, it's a gift. It's just this gift of attention. Jesus, Luke chapter 8, verse 40, we're just going to walk through this together. And so now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Jesus had been on the Sea of Galilee. He was trying to have some downtime. And, and so he's coming, and this local church is like hosting him, and they'd been sending out invitations and flyers, and there was a citywide campaign. Everybody knew Jesus was going to show up. 
And so all of a sudden, there are crowds on the banks waiting for Jesus. In verse 41, and there came a man named Jairus. So that's, that's the wealthy guy. That's the synagogue ruler. That's the guy that had influence. That's the man we're going to talk about, and then we'll point out the lady to you, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. Now listen, here's the crazy thing. Jesus is about ready to start a church service. Everybody had come to hear him speak. Fact is, it was standing room only. This man, Jairus, he couldn't wait to the end of the message. He couldn't wait till you get to come down and give your prayer request, see what's happening, his daughter is dying. And he could not wait. Here's interesting for Jesus. You know what? That sermon was kind of secondary. And all of a sudden, he has an encounter. He has an encounter with Jairus. Verse 42, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, and the people pressed around him. And oftentimes in life, and I'm just telling you, kindness, opportunities for kindness, comes disguised as an interruption. Oftentimes we look at interruptions as an inconvenience in our schedule. When we should see those interruptions, not as an inconvenience in our schedule, but we should see those as an interruption, an opportunity to show kindness. I don't know how you handle, handle interruptions. Uh, I mean, I, mean I, I, I told you when we started this, this, this series out together that these attributes of love, these fruits of the Spirit, are not a litmus test that we hold up to someone else to help them understand where they can improve or where they went wrong. That's, that's not what this list is here. It's to help us to understand, right? You only change ourselves. It's help us. And, and maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you've walked through this list to say, these are, these are the things that I think I'm doing well at or good at, but these are the areas that I think I can improve. And so this issue of kindness is to where, to where you all of a sudden begin to understand that, you know what, an interruption may be an opportunity to show kindness. Maybe God just simply wants to do something different. The fact is, we had that happen last night in the 5 o'clock service. Uh, many of you may have heard that, but uh, so we're, we're in a service, and fortunately, the worship had finished, and, and, um, and so I started preaching, and like, like five minutes into the sermon, we lost all power. I mean, we're sitting here in the dark, and we had some emergency lights that kind of cool, like candles, and so we had, we sat, had some emergency lights, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the whole service changed. And I simply, I simply looked at the congregation, well, I couldn't look at the congregation, it was in the dark, I'm sorry. I looked into darkness, and I said, hey, you guys want to shut it down, or you want to continue? They're like, let's continue. Let's do this. Man, it, for us, it became like this God moment that all of a sudden, I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, it, it changed the atmosphere in this room. And I mean, also learned that I think I preach better in the dark. Uh, there's like less distractions. I mean, you distract me. I mean, I, when you sneeze, I feel like I need to say, God bless you. And, and when you leave, I feel like I need to ask you, where are you going? Bring me coffee. And so uh, I've never prayed for that many people after service as I did last night at 5 o'clock. You know, we could have handled that interruption angry, frustrated, God, can you not see what we're doing here? We're trying to have a, have a worship service in your name. Can't you just keep the lights on? 
or what we can do is see it's a moment. It's a moment to show kindness. It's a moment to minister. And so Jesus takes, he takes this, this man and he shows him kindness. I mean, I, I think that's why the Apostle Paul said, honor others above yourself. Understand it's not, life is not all about you. Life is not all about your priorities. Life is not all about your schedules. That sometimes God wants to do something different in your life. And, and here, here's what I know uh, in, in, in this room. We may not all have the same amount of money. We may not all have the same number of cars or the quality of cars. We don't all live in the same type of homes and houses, but we do share one thing in common. We have all given the same amount of time, 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week, and how we steward that time that we've all been given, that we all have in common, is critical. And so Jesus, like Jesus gave this man total attention, and he was flexible, and he made this situation personal. I mean, Jesus is now, Jesus is now, I mean, he's now on his way. He's, he's on his way to this man's house. And, and listen, here's the crazy thing. Jesus can, Jesus can heal long distance, right? We've seen him do that. Jesus could tell him, like he did one man, just go home. Your, your, your daughter's healed. I got this service to do. Jesus understood the gift of kindness and the gift of attention and made it personal. Verse 43 and there was a woman, so okay, so now he enters the woman. And so he is on his way now. He has a dying child on his hands. You'd think that, that's, that's critical, right? And so he's on his way. Verse 43, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. She had been healed. And Jesus said, I mean, Jesus was interested in who, who was it? Who touched me? It's hilarious. And when they all denied it, like, I guess they thought they were in trouble. I don't know why they did that. So Peter speaks up, and Peter says, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. In other words, Simon Peter's like, what do you mean who touched you? We're in, we're in a crowd. We can't even figure that out. I mean, we cannot even, and, and all of a sudden, Jesus began giving, a, he began, began giving attention to this woman who was just like, and we'll touch on this, was just like another face in the crowd. She had no power. She had no influence. She was a nobody. And can I just tell you this? Kindness always begins with the eyes. That's why conversations is so difficult. When we're distracted and we're looking at a screen instead of a person, we're looking at a sports page instead of a person or a TV instead of a person, and we're telling them, yes, I'm listening, and we can't. It's the gift of attention, and kindness always begins with the eyes. And if, if you want to grow, if you want to up your kindness meter, then you need to understand this, and you need to start seeing the, the world around you. In other words, you, need, you and I need to slow down. We need to see the needs around us. Listen, if we can't see the needs around us, we'll never be able to meet the needs. Man, you have to be able to see to respond. Jesus not only saw, but he responded. In fact, isn't it interesting? The disciples totally missed this. The disciples. So, so when, my, when, my, when my kindness meter you know, starts going like on empty and it starts running in the negative numbers, you know what is the enemy to the kindness meter? 
You know what the enemy is to kindness in your life? Busyness. You just get too busy. You say, I, I, I'm too busy to deal with this. I'm too busy to be interrupted. I'm too busy to even walk through this. In other words, in other words you and I, we're going to miss some things if we don't slow down. I mean, we're going to be too busy to meet some needs. Because the, the slower we go like Jesus, the more we're able to see. And so Jesus took out time in this crowd and setting to have a one-on-one interaction. And just, just so we could kind of put some, 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 some context to this, is, this is this, the crowd is so intense. It's like le- leaving, a, leaving a Bronco game. And it's just the crowd, you know, how the crowd just presses in. And you know what? You're, you're walking, and it's, it's shoulder to shoulder. And you think, you know what? If I stop, if I kneel down, if I bend down, this crowd is going to crush me. Uh, they are going to run me over. And so you know this, right? It's hard to have a meaningful conversation leaving the Bronco game uh, because of the crowd, right? Because of the crowd. It's hard to have a personal conversation because the crowd is so intense. This is what that crowd is like. I mean, we, we, we have a world. Man, we have a world that is moving us more and more, thinking the less human interaction that we can have, the better. The less people that I have to deal with, less people that I have to talk with, if I can just get people out of the way, my life would be better. Man, I was, I was raised at a time, and I know this show my age, I was raised in Tyler, Texas, and we actually, actually, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as a self-serve gas station. You, 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 when you, in my day, when you went to a gas station, uh, an attendant came out and filled up your gas, topped off your fluids, uh, washed your windshield, and then sat and had a conversation with you. I mean, we knew him. He knew us. He knew our family. We knew his family. When our car broke down or whatever, uh, he was the person we called. We had, we, we had a relationship. And you know what? With technology and everything that is going on, uh, we are getting more and more isolated. We're getting more and more isolated. So now we believe, you know what, the less people I have to deal with, the better. So if I go get gas, I'm just going to swipe my card. I'm not going to go in. I mean, I'm going to go to businesses and places, and now, you know what, you can, you can check out at places, and you never have to talk to a human, right? You can go to, like, the self-serve, the kiosk, and you could do that whole deal. You know the crazy thing? I, I just noticed this the other day. I was in one of those stores where they had, like, the self-checkout deal. They had three uh, checker people standing out trying to beg people to come to their line. You know what? Everybody preferred the computer. And we're coming to a place. If we're going to impact this world, we've got to have relationships with them. I mean, we are moving to this place to where, where now you've got, like, online banking so you don't even have to deal with a person. You've got online mortgages so you don't have to deal with a person because we have been, we, we believe, it's false belief, my life will be better. I don't have to have relationships with people. Last year, a pastor started with a lot of criticism. He started church online. He started church on, on an app to where you actually would, would, would join their church, log on. Uh, you'd go to their church online. You'd watch a sermon. Uh, you could log in to the lobby, and that's like a chat room. Uh, you could, uh, you could uh, join a life group online. You never met anyone face-to-face. Never met anyone face-to-face. Because the technology's there, right? So I've always wondered, well, how do they do baptism? You know? Do you FaceTime and, like, dunk yourself in your bathtub or swimming pool or whatever? Hey, I did it. How do you do communion? How about this? 
When you're sick and when you're in the hospital, when you need someone to minister to you, help you, who shows up? Your phone can't comfort you. Technology can't comfort you. Oh, and they, they have a prayer line. Three of our pastors, it's hilarious. I didn't even know this, but three of our pastors joined that church. I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> and they all three did a prayer request, and it said you'd get a request in, 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 20, in 24 hours. And um, that was a year ago. We're still waiting. Man, I'm telling you, where our world is going, that's what, like 1 Peter 5.14 says, greet one another with a kiss of love and peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. There's five different times. Five different times in the Bible it says that you greet one another. It was their context. It was their culture. You greet one another with a holy kiss. That was just showing that it's, it's, it's just personal, personal touch. When Wednesday night I, uh, I joined our, our prayer team, uh, our, our jail ministry that, that my wife Karen leads, and and it was, it was men's night. And so uh, one Wednesday it's men and one Wednesday it's women. So we got men's night and ladies' night working at the jail. And so, uh, so I, I go. And so to be a part of that, you have, to, you have to get trained. It's like five hours of training. So one of the training is just no touch, no personal touch. Uh, and some of it is for our safety, no handshake, no hug, because it could put us in danger and at risk. Uh, it could, it could, the inmate could be unsafe. Uh, it also, the reason you don't shake a hand is because uh, in case they try to pass something to us or, or we pass something to them thinking we're trying to help them and we're not. And so I, I went and I, 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 just, I just went as an observer. And, and, and our team, we went in and set up the room and we were at the very back and all of a sudden the male inmates came in. And I mean, they're, they're, they're walking in and most of these guys were looking at 16 years to, to life. And these men come walking in. Here, here, here's what I observed. These men didn't go directly to their chairs to sit down for the worship service. You know what they did? They came to us, and they started shaking our hand. It was like a line, shaking our hand and hugging us. We looked over to the deputies, and the deputy says, whatever, go ahead. And so, uh, <laughs> you're on your own. Uh, and we, we, when we prayed over them and prayed for them, same thing happened again. There's something about this issue of personal touch. There's something about this issue of human touch. And I, I'm just telling you, when we pull so much away from the world to where we believe my life would be better if I don't have to interact with anyone, we're missing something in this community. Here's the second gift, the gift of affirmation. The gift of affirmation. He not only gave them the, the, the gift of, for some reason I always forget that first point, the gift of attention, but he gave them the gift of affirmation. Verse 47, it says, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, and we just stop right there. One day I'm going to preach a whole message on that statement. When she saw that she was not hidden. I wonder how many people, we have some stories, I wonder how many people come into this worship service and, and they, think, they think they're hidden. They think they're a nobody. They think they're just a face in the crowd. And all of a sudden God does something to intersect their life or one of you act of kindness. You're aware of a hurt. You're aware of a pain. And you turn and you shake their hand. You hug them. You greet them. You interact with them. And all of a sudden they realize, I am not hidden. And I am not hidden. Not only is God here, but there's people willing to like minister and to like get involved in my life. I mean, here a while back, I, I, I was like, like playing golf. And, and, uh, and so we'd finish playing golf and I'm in the parking lot. Uh, a lot of people had left. And all of a sudden, this guy walks up to me, which happens to me a lot. This guy walks up to me and says, hey, he says, I, I understand you're a pastor. And he says, I, I, just, I just want you to know that there was a time in my life that I used to go to church. I no longer go to church. He told me the reasons. He says, I no longer go to church. I am wanting to return to church, but I don't know how. 
Man, what will I say? What will people ask? Man, what, what will people ask? What will people say? And I'm like, I'm like, hey, you're in luck. This weekend at Fellowship the Rockies, it's MSD weekend. <laughs> you just come, no questions asked. You come, you sit down. Nobody's going to ask you your story. Nobody, it's just amnesty weekend. You come this weekend, it is amnesty weekend. And I did confess to him. I said, hey, at Fellowship of the Rockies, every weekend is amnesty weekend because that's the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's this issue. It's just an issue of affirmation. And saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling, falling down before him, and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. For she had been healed immediately. Listen, Jesus, Jesus affirmed her by what he did and what he said. He affirmed this woman because he is willing to listen to her without interrupting her. He was, he was interrupted like three different times. But he affirmed her. Jesus already knew she was healed. Jesus already knew her story. Jesus didn't cut her off and say, hey, I, I've already healed you. I'm, on, I'm busy. On the way, I got a dying child on my hands. He affirmed her. I let her talk. I, I can't tell you, prison ministry, I, ministry here, how many people just want to be heard and valued? How many people just want someone to hear my story? Someone to hear what I'm walking through? Man, if you're going to be a kinder person, and it's tough, I get it, I understand it, I have this problem. You have to let people speak without interrupting them. Man, love is often, right? Love is often inconvenient. T kindness, takes kindness takes time. And Jesus could have told her so many things. I'm busy. I got this crying child. And yet, yet he listened to her story and then watched this. He, he affirmed her. But not only... Not by not only what he said, but what he did. Listen, you know this in marriage. You can be right and wrong at the same time. You can be right about what you said, but you can be wrong in how you said it. Verse 48, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know what Jesus tried to help her understand? Ma'am, my garment didn't heal you. It wasn't my garment. I just want to be clear about that. It was your faith. You were willing to step out in faith. You were willing to grab the garment. You, you were willing to believe. Guess what? You were willing to believe that I, I, I could heal you. Man, and Jesus, Jesus affirmed her. And the last thing is this. Is, it's, the, it's, the gift of, it's the gift of acceptance. It's just the gift of acceptance. Verse 49, as we just continue to walk through the story. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him and says, Do not fear, only believe, and, and she'll be well. And when we came to the house, he allowed no one to enter, enter with him except Peter and James and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And they were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep. For she is not dead, but sleeping. And look at their reaction. I mean, they're criticizing him. And they laughed at him. They made fun of him. He said, knowing that she was dead. In other words, they didn't know the power of Jesus. They didn't know what Jesus could do. And, man, this issue, and here's the crazy thing. Jesus, Jesus went ahead and accepted them. 
Jesus didn't criticize them for their lack of faith. The way that we show kindness sometimes is when, when someone criticizes us, someone makes fun of us, makes laughs at us, the way we respond back to them. And it, it's not always what you say, but it's, 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 it's how you say it. Christ's lesson for us is we need to, to be able to accept others. And we, we need to understand the difference between acceptance and, and, and approval. I think this is critical for the local church. I can... I can accept, I can accept someone, but not approving of their behavior. I, I, I can accept someone without approving of their behavior. And Jesus set the example for us to be, to be kind to those who are far away from him, to be kind to those who haven't met him, to understand this. I mean, um, he, he, would not, he would not condone their sin, and yet he would not condemn them. He would not condemn the sinner. He wouldn't condone the sin, but he would not condemn the sinner. I mean, Jesus had this thing of understanding this issue. I don't think we understand this in our world today, that I can actually accept somebody and invite them to walk with me towards God without approving of their lifestyle, of their behavior, of their decisions, and all of those other things. I mean, it's what it means to be a Christ follower. I finished this this sermon up with just a, a... just a story that, that, that happened to me. A couple of months ago, um, I was, was having, uh, it was a busy day, and, uh, and so I decided that I needed to, to eat healthy, so I just went across the street to McDonald's. And so uh, I, uh, I don't go through to-go lines anymore uh, because I, I, I purposely want to meet people and, and know people. And so so I, I went into McDonald's, it was crowded. It was insane in that place. Uh, I had I had placed my order. I'm standing back at the, you know the back and and waiting for my my number to be called so that I could get out of there. And all of a sudden, this this man came in, and I mean this man was angry. He had gone through, from what I could tell from the story, uh, he had gone through drive-through, and then messed up his his order. And so he came in, and I mean he's like this. I mean he this man is big and. And, you know, he's a construction worker, and he's fit, and he's big, and he has like, I mean, he has like five or six McDonald's bags, must have been buying food for his whole crew. He comes in, he is yelling, he is screaming, he is using non-church words, you know, women, you know, people, women are covering their kids' ears, and, and, and he is making threats, he's threatening the workers, and going to come across that, that, that counter and take care of this, and, and, you know, he's talking about them, he's talking about their mama, you know, he's talking about their family tree. And I mean, and, and so the whole, the whole restaurant, especially in the times that we live, the whole restaurant is frozen. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously thinking I'm going to have to turn my body into a weapon. Uh, that is unkind that you would laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, I'd call 911. And, uh, <laughs> and so every, everybody's like frozen at and the, the, the poor workers, I mean, most of them are like 12 years old anyway, and so they're, they're like, duh. And, uh, and so all of a sudden the manager comes out, a female, and she's kind of a small lady, and she, she walks right up. She walks right up to that counter, and I'm standing right there, and she reaches across the counter, and she grabs that man's forearm, and she says, sir, sir, sir you must be having a really, really bad day. 
to act like this. I'm sorry we've made it worse. I'm sorry we've made a bad day even worse for you. And so I apologize. I don't want to add to a bad day because I don't think this is you. I don't think this is you. And if you will give me just a few minutes, I will go back. I will personally make this right. And you can be on your way. And I just want you to know that I'm sorry. And I will do anything I can to fix this. And again, I am so sorry. Whether it's a season you're going through in life, or it's a bad day you're having today, I am so sorry. I'll do anything I can to make it better. Totally changed. I said, thank you. Thank you. A week later, I, I went at McDonald's with, with like a gift card for the lady and said, hey, I witnessed that whole thing. It ministered to me. If I had a job right now that I could offer you, I'd hire you on the spot. Because that's rare in customer service. That's rare in dealing with people. A lot of times, honestly, the reason that we're not kind, we're either way too busy, that's why we don't get involved in ministry, that's why we blow into a service and blow out of a service and we really don't know anybody, the people that we worship next to, you know, we don't really know them and we don't really know their hurts and we really don't know their pain. Keeps us from being kind is our schedule and then sometimes only thinking of ourselves. And Jesus said, this doesn't come natural to any of us. And this is something that is we, we grow in to reach people for him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?